Hello everyone, welcome to Urbanos podcast. I'm the host Donatos Urbanos and today we are visiting Bologna, visiting a legendary organization and my guest is one of the most successful coaches here in Europe, Sergio Scariolo. Thanks for uh, coming to the podcast. You're welcome, my pleasure. Sergio, uh, we will try to uh, run through the most important stages of your career, but at the same time I will try to run us through the qualities which uh, you are very well known in Europe, uh, for example. And one of the qualities, I, I, I've done a research and people told me that Coach Scariolo is the one who likes to, you know, to know the next move, what's going to be ahead. And I was thinking, what, what's behind this? I mean, the, do you like playing chess, for example? Do you like to play any other mind games or it comes from your parents who were in, very into maths, as far as I know, right? Well, I'm not sure if I really, if I really am like that, but, but I like, I like to try to, to foresee what's going to happen. That, that's, I think that, uh, uh, to be reactive and to be ready to, uh, to get the right answer to whatever happened in, in, in any field of, of, of your life, right? It's, it's important to be, to have a background which allow you to, to, Take a solution out of the blue, uh, not only in basketball, in every, in every, in every, uh, you know, part of your, your daily life. But uh, at the same time, I, I, I believe in preparation. I believe in, uh, in, uh, try to embrace, uh, basically most of the option, which can, can, uh, happen on the floor, most of the situation which, uh, your team or yourself will be called to face up. Um, uh, I like to, to, to try to think when I am in a, in a cold and relaxed and, and focus mode because during a game, sometimes, uh, it's hard to, to, to be, you, you are in a pretty, uh, hot atmosphere. And, and uh, I, I, I trust a little bit more in picking up the right, the right option among those you have been prepared to, then to take something out of the head, like, like, uh, which we never tried or, 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 or which came to my mind right in that specific time of the game. Yeah. And that knowing the next step, knowing all the possible solutions also comes together with uh, controlling your destiny. Let's say, you know, knowing what you're going to play, how you're going to react and things like that. But, what these people also told me that you also like to control some of the core things to make team, let's say, follow the same path, uh, the same line, to be disciplined. Uh, you, yourself also, you're a very, let's say, elegant uh, uh, personality, and it comes a lot uh, from yourself. Uh, what, what's behind that? I mean, why do you, why do you believe that discipline also works in basketball? Why do you believe this way? Well, uh, personally, I got a pretty solid education. Right. My, my parents were both, uh, teachers, university or high school teachers, both. So, uh, my, let's say the discipline, the respect, the, uh, the, uh, you know, politeness, uh, all, all, all of this is coming from, from my childhood and from what I learned from my, from my parents. Sometimes from their lessons and, and most of the time by their example. Right. Um, bringing it into a team, uh, I, I trust in, uh, uh, respect. 
personal respect, role respect, uh, team respect. Um, I, I, I believe that uh, you must accept uh, uh, certain, let's say, common rules to, to live in, in a team and to, and to uh, spend time with people, work together with people. Um, in that uh, you have to reduce the number of the situation where a coach got to say, okay, we do this because I say to do this. This should be the, the, the final point if, if, if uh, you, you are called up to a situation like that. I, I trust more in, in, in making people understand, accept, uh, maybe discuss, maybe change a little bit. But then when we are um, all together in a, in a locker room, getting ready for a game, we got to be on the same page. There is no me, there is no I, there, there is just we and us. And, and uh, at that point, the, the rules, the, the, the system, the game plan, the behavioral, um, let's say, patterns should be set. Sometimes, you know, when it comes to discipline, uh, sometimes player, players are kind of against it. But again, what's, what's very interesting that you we were always known as a good communicator, uh, how, the way how you handle the locker room and stuff like that. And I want you to bring, uh, uh, I want you to bring us uh, to the 2009 when you start, uh, started coaching the Spanish national team. The first training camp, you enter the locker room, the, the facilities of Spanish national team, you see Gazol brothers, Rudy Fernandez, Navarro, Reyes, Garbajosa, all these stars, all these egos. What, what's your first speech? What are your first weeks? What kind of, you know, how do you want to set the tone for the upcoming uh, work with such a high profile players? Um, I try just to be myself. I mean, and, 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 uh, um, a knowledge that this group of, of, of people had won already a couple of important things. And they were, they were a good group of people who were getting along pretty well together. I just try to find in which areas I might, uh, be able to help them to, to win. And, uh, and I remember that the first week was kind of a mutual, uh, study situation where I was trying to understand where I was and they were trying to understand and to, to read the situation. If this guy, new guy coming in, uh, they had a pretty bad experience with the previous coach. They had a tough relationship. Either it, the, the final result was, was, uh, great at the end, but they had a kind of a, some issues. So um, they, were, they were probably thinking, hey, let's see if this guy can really help us to win or if he's coming here to establish himself like, like you know, the, the, the main guy right here. And uh, that was never my, my, my purpose. So I know that at some point of, um, of a team life, uh, the head coach got to make decisions. Sometimes these are the decisions which might hurt people. So you got to find a way to communicate in the right way and to treat people in the right way. But I try to, to um, let that for the really, really ultimate uh, time. I, I prefer to, to, to use common sense. I prefer to explain why I'm doing things. I prefer to understand and to, to listen to players because many times they gave me really important keys to do my job better and to not to waste time or not to waste 
uh, uh, hour of work trying to do something which is not going to uh, probably be working with that specific group. So I think, as you said, communication is a big part of it, but communication in, in both ways, not only this way, but mainly this way, to, to, to gather information and to gather knowledge of what a uh, player feels, what player think. Do you remember when was the time that both groups kind of, you know, met each other and at the same point and, you know, it was a kind of turning point of your team relationship to go forward? I think a big turning point was uh, during the 2009 European Championship in Poland. We had a crazy injury situation. We had the Pau Gasol out for the whole training game. We had... Uh, we had uh, Navarro out, we had Rudy Fernandez and Garbacosa who were in, but were basically 30%. So we started really bad. And, and, uh, and also we were in a situation where we were trying to do something different, to play Pausol and Margas all together, which was a, a challenge from a coach standpoint, and w which was something I, I had promised to, to my guys, to, to, that I was re seriously going to try to, to do that, even a little bit against the, the, the trend of European basketball, who, which was already going small back then, right? Uh, unfortunately, we didn't have any, even a single practice to work on this solution. And when we started the competition, I realized, I realized pretty soon that it was not going to work because we, we, we needed much more uh, time and practices and mistakes and corrections and wrinkles. Um, so after a few games, I, I, I thought that we had to, to change and go back to the original format with uh, uh, Mark and Powell uh, sharing the five position and, and uh, Garbajos and Felipe Reyes sharing the four position. And things changed right away. Uh, but the way I tried to do it was, okay, this is what they think. This is what they feel. I know that I'm not... Uh, keeping my promise to Mark to, to, to start them, but I think that the good of the team at this point comes, comes first, and my reputation is somebody who's always keeping his promise and always keeping his word. So uh, we had a nice meeting uh, during that championship. I said, listen, if there is anything else uh, which uh, should be done different or better or whatever. And, and basically, I think they appreciated the way I, I, I present myself to them. Not like, hey, we had to do this and this and this. And, and, and that was a point where, where I was really interested, interested into, into finding out what, what they were really, really feeling, not what they were willing me to hear from them. And, uh, and nothing, nothing came out. So we just said, hey, we got to keep doing what we are doing. You are the coach, you've made the, the basketball adjustment. We know that we are, everybody can step up and, and do something better or with more intensity, with more concentration, with more toughness. And that's it. And from then on, they were basically uh, all blow up with the 20 point difference to the, to the, from there to the very end and the, the finals again, in the final game against Serbia. Uh, even before that national team, you had already had a great background, but the people I talked to think that that national team also helped you a lot to grow as the coach, how to handle the team, how to handle uh, that kind of locker room, how to adjust. And I remember one of the ideas was that uh, for at least they think that for you, it was a kind of an adjustment uh, since, you know, Spanish national team locker room was already so strong. 
for you, it was strange to see players have, having like players only meetings and stuff. Because sometimes in Europe, you might think that if players having their own meetings, something might be wrong, you know. Not just this example, but in general, what did you learn from that uh, locker room and from that, uh, from this group of guys? Well, um, first of all, I was very confident when, when a player, there were not many, there were maybe two or three players, maybe not players only maybe. Um, but I was very confident because every time that kind of meeting was called up, things were going better. Or, or, or right away, people were fresher or, or more together or their egos were, were uh, handled a little bit better. My job was easier. So I was happy when they were feeling the time to, to get together and to, and to, you know, just communicate, you know, among themselves. Um, at the same time, uh, I learned a lot from that group of guys. Uh, I, I, I've been blessed to, to, to coach players like uh, Pau, Juan Carlos, Mark, Rudy, uh, Chacho Rodriguez, Ricky Rubio, uh, Garbajosa, Jimenez. I mean, I've been so blessed. You, you, they, they give you so many. If you are able to, to learn, if you are able to listen, to observe, to, because sometimes it's not a, 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 a verbal communication. Some, sometimes it's how they behave under pressure, how do you respond to a, to a stress situation, how do you respond to a, a really bad thing which happened during the way in, in, a, in a basketball or in a non-basketball um, field. Uh, so I've, I've been blessed because that, that, that's a real master for a coach because these guys have been, they, they were coached by the top coaches in the world. So if you uh, wanted to try to be at the height of the situation, you had to really, really do your job and try to be better and, 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 and try to, to be there at any uh, question they had for you or, or, or give the right uh, answer, even verbally or not verbally, to any situation which was going to happen and sometimes doing mistakes and, and learning and, and being aware of, of the mistake you were doing, trying to correct them and to, to, to fix them and then not to repeat them in the, in the future. Pau Gazal was also, of course, a cornerstone, a cornerstone of that uh, generation. He officially retired, not just from the national team, but from the basketball as well. Uh, besides basketball, besides his talents, uh, what kind of his you know, character value or character uh, abilities you will be missing the most, having in mind that it's so hard to repeat when you look, for example, for a new generation? Well, first of all, we had to be able to, to split the situation. I mean, this, this, what's going to happen from now on is completely different from what happened. Everybody know it, but then we have to be able to keep that, that in our mind when it's going to be time to, to uh, deal with these guys, to, to ask them to, uh, to, to set goals, to ask them for specific performances. I mean, we had to be realistic. And we had to be uh, supportive because their, their task is just to be themselves and try to be the best version of themselves. Their task is not to be try to be like Paul, like Mark, like, like Chacho, like, like uh, Navarro. I mean, that, that's, that's impossible. But Paul, Paul has been unique, not only in the, the, uh, in basketball, basketball, Spanish basketball history, but I think unique in European basketball history. And the word 
world basketball history. So I think that uh, for how he, he was handling situation, for the, the way he was always giving the right answer, always being there to help his teammates, uh, for his leadership, sometimes just by example, some of the time, more rarely, but, but when it happened, it happened in the, in the, in the right way also verbally in a, in a locker room or in, or in Midden. Um, I hope, I, just, I can say, I, I've saying, I spent so many words on Pau that, that he, especially the last couple of weeks when, I mean, during his retirement, that I can only add that uh, I, I, I've spoke to him. I know that he has many different projects. I hope basketball will be able and smart enough to present him an, a challenging and an intriguing project to keep Pau into its family because we can't afford, we can't afford to lose players, or people, people like that when they quit from being players. It seems like uh, since some veterans of Spanish national team are retiring, it's getting even more and more Ricky Rubio's team or at least teams getting more on Ricky Rubio's uh, shoulders. What do you like about his leadership the most? What kind of, you know, old generation skills and things he has, but what he brings new for, for, for the leadership? Well, Ricky has um, unique uh, skills. First of all, as a human being, he's a really great human being. And second, as a basketball player. And, and, uh, and I, under, I, I understand why in, in, in an environment like in NBA, there were not always able to understand his, his abilities, his skills, and to appreciate them. I did. Since my first day in the, when I took over in 2009, he was, he was 18 back then. And I, I said to myself, this guy's going to be my starter, my starting point. And even if he's 18, whatever, I don't care. I mean, he's going to be the guy. Uh, and of course, he had a lot of support, the, the little bit less support. Um, he was growing as a, as a, as a person and as a player. So he was getting more and more leadership and he was starting to give support to the, to the rest of the guy because he, he was lucky enough to, uh, be in the national team when the previous generation, uh, quit like Carlos Jimenez, like, like Jorge Garbajosa, like Alex Mumbrou. And then when the, uh, golden, golden kids, like their name, right? The 80 born generation, like Pau, Juan Carlos, Felipe Reyes, uh, all this guy took over. And when also Rudy Fernandez and Marcus, or the 85 generation with Chacho Rodriguez and then Sergio Yul, Vitor Claver, all, all, I mean, he was there from the, from, from accompanying basically every generation to get to, to his peak and a lot of learning experiences right there for him. But, you know, learning experiences are there if somebody's smart enough to learn, if somebody wants, have the, the humility to learn. Because otherwise they can go by without even you to be aware of them, right? He was smart enough to learn. And as I, as I said at the beginning, he has individual and, and personal um, skills to, to be really the leader, as you said correctly, He's a real leader of our of our team right now, and uh, and, uh, and we are happy that that this is this is the situation right now. And hopefully, 
is going to last for, for, for a few more years. Yeah, that's the thing, because I remember the next day after the Olympic Games, uh, I read an article in Marca where it was said that you were a big part how, how Spanish national team managed to convince him to play for the national team in the Olympics because there were some concerns from his, from his side. And I, I remember there was an article that it was unclear what's his future of the national team if he will rejoin the team. Maybe something changed during these months? No, I mean, he settled down? no, situation is always the same. I mean, this kind of a players uh, want to wait the end of the, for the, the end of the season and see how the season went before making a decision of how they feel mentally, how they feel physically. Actually, it's true that Ricky didn't want to. Actually, he communicated to me that uh, that um, um, he didn't want to, to to be because he had a very very tough season. Um, in the NBA, and then with COVID, uh, he wanted just to spend quality time with his family as a uh, baby kid uh, for different reason. Well, I mean, I, I try to to make him see a situation from a different perspective. Try to make him see the half full glass, right? But the rest of the team were way more decisive than me, and more 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 efficient and 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 uh, conclusive than me to to convince him to be part of the team. And I think he didn't regret it because he had a great Olympics. And that, again, once more, after being the MVP of the World Cup in 2019, when we won the, the World Championship, um, I think it was that has been uh, the last Olympics, another uh, step upward in his, in his uh, run towards uh, the, the excellence. Coach, talking about your return to Europe, uh, for many years, there was kind of, we know that there is a bridge between European and NBA basketball and especially coaches. A lot of European coaches going to the NBA as their assistants. Some of American, let's say, approach coaches are coming to Europe. Uh, but the thing is that it seems that there is a bridge, but we're kind of missing the middle part of it because European head coaches are not getting the opportunity to be head coaches in the NBA. And so far, Americans are not so successful, at least on the EuroLeague stage. What do you think, why that middle part is missing, what we are missing, and what could be changed? And if it's even possible to change, having in mind these cultural um, things? Well, first of all, I don't think that many European coaches are coached on the front of it. Because you, you can be there in a 15 coaches staff, which is, which is good, but um, you... You have real coaching responsibility when you are on the front of the bench, and I don't recall many European coaches being there, which is which is something to think over. I mean, we want you here, we want you to help, but we are extremely, extremely cautious in giving front of the bench responsibilities to European coaches. Uh, and then, as you said, from there to the final step of becoming becoming head coach. Actually, only, only Igor Kokoshkov did it, but Igor was, was uh, working in the, in the NBA uh, for many, 20, 20 years, years yeah. 20 years, right? Probably, and he got an, an American citizenship. And I mean, it's a very, very special situation, but still that amount of time, which went by f f from when Igor started to when he got the Phoenix head coach job make you understand how how difficult it is and how probably um, uh, in the NBA uh, teams or executive or players, whatever you want to you call them, 
um, needs a lot of time to, to, to feel confident to give that kind of responsibility to, to a head coach. Um, on the other hand, I think that, uh, that uh, there, are, there, there have been more opportunities for American coaches to be hired from European teams as uh, head coaches, right? Much more, of course, way more than, than vice versa, um, directly as a head coach. Um, not recently, it's true, because it's true that most of the time it didn't work. And I think in this case, it, it has been for lack of uh, flexibility, for lack of uh, uh, ability to adjust, to understand, to respect the different basketball. Um, you know, when you, when you, sometimes it happens to the play, to players, when a player has been playing in a, in a, in a big team, uh, it thinks that he goes in the, in a little lower level team and he, he gotta be the, maybe he has been a, a, a specialist, a role player in a big team. And he thinks when he gets to a lower te level team, he can be, he can do whatever. He can shoot, he can dribble, he can pass. He can play. Probably is not the case. Probably is you're gonna still be a specialist. Maybe with more playing time, maybe with more money in your salary, but probably if those are your skills, the odds are that you're going to be a good role player in that team too. And that's a little bit, the little bit will happen, right? They, sometimes they thought that, hey, I'm coming from the NBA, I'm coming from an uh, objectively higher level basketball. I, I'm, I, I will be dominating this competition without even studying it, without even analyzing it, without even, even really trying to understand what that, this competition was really. So I think that the situation has been different. There's lack of opportunities in one way and lack of probably humility to, to understand the situation and to understand uh, what they, they had into their hands and this, this, this way coming from there to here. What do you think, what you will bring from the NBA, what you will bring to Virtus organization, that kind of NBA experience, if there will be anything? Well, I, I, you know what, I, I've learned a lot of things. I, I learned a lot. Those, these three years have been unbelievably uh, teaching, uh, learning, learning years, from my perspective, learning years for me. From, from the basketball point of view, from the organizational point of view, from the relationship point of view, from any point of view. The NBA is really the best. It's really a world where everything is taken care. Um, the, 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 the logistic of is, is, is great. Because they have more money, yes, but because they have more know-how too. Um, the, there is a lot also from a basketball point of view. I'm, I'm a little bit uh, sad when I hear colleagues, European colleagues, which have a very limited knowledge of the NBA, criticizing it or saying that, that that's not good, that you had nothing to learn. That's crazy, crazy. Stereotypes true. Still exist. I mean, there's a lot of things to learn. Then it's a different thing what you can get from there and bring here. You have to adjust, you have to adapt, you have to, to, to choose. You have to, sometimes you can bring, uh, you know, pure and naked bonbon. Some of the time you have to, you have to, get the idea, the concept, but, but, but adjust it to the European style or different way. So it's, it'll be really, really a long list of things which I've, which I've learned there. 
but I can only tell you that I have been blessed to be in Toronto, blessed, blessed to be with Nick Nurse, blessed to be with uh, Masai Ujiri and Bobby Wester as executive. Um, I, I've been really blessed by being in a terrific organization and, and, and a terrific situation also from, from the coach staff standpoint. I'm talking now about, about these good qualities from the NBA. I mean, what's the most adjustable, for example, for a Virtus organization, having in mind all these, you know, budget limitations compared to NBA or something, you know, just the number of staff members and stuff like that? Um, you know, it's a lot of things again, but I think that uh, the main, the main um, message I'm trying to, to send over is take care of details. Take care of details. There are between doing a, doing something okay and doing something good and between doing something good and doing something very good, there is a gap. There are gaps and sometimes you can't even see them if, if uh, you're not really looking into that or, or just if somebody who has seen top situations somewhere else is not telling you, hey, you know what, that's good, but we can do it in a better way. And, and, um, and there is many, many things which can be done. But, but I, I don't think it's a virtuous issue. I think it's an overall uh, European basketball. And I know that a lot of, of big teams in EuroLeague are closer and closer to the, to the NBA way of, uh, of uh, organizing uh, from, from a coach standpoint, from a, from a uh, club standpoint. I mean, um, the gap is getting a little bit smaller. But still, uh, there is a lot of stuff to do. And again, as you said, uh, the budget difference is a, is a huge part of this. But there is a part where it's just a matter of, of, of uh, doing, it, doing, it, doing it in the right way or, in a perf or trying at least to do it in, a, in, a, in, a per in an excellent way. And going to the end, uh, I was kind of excited you know, to see that you won the Italian championship at the age of 29. How is that possible and would it be possible nowadays, for example, if you bring Sergio Scariolo coming to the Italian league right now at the age of 29, for example? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky question, but I, I don't think I can, I'm able to, I mean, that situation was a specific age where a lot of, of um, uh, young coaches were uh, basically a big part of our organization. So they were, they were leading the, the youth organization, the youth program with a junior, cadet, whatever. They were assistant coaches with the, with, the, with the first team. And they were perceived by their, the organizations, the teams, like, like uh, organization people, like the people who, are, who were an asset into, into the organization, somebody to promote, somebody who had proven that they were worth to be pushed up. And for whatever, I think it was kind of a also specific, like, like generation happened, right? Like in players, like there was a huge generation where we were a lot of people who were really, really talented and, and really hard workers. And so most of, of, of the first team were promoting their top assistant coach to be head coach when the head coach in that specific time was leaving for, for another place or, or was, was, uh, or need to be replaced. 
And I think, as, as I said, with generation, it was very specific for that generation of, of coaches. And you can name 10 of them who became head coaches uh, really, really early, really young. Yeah, because I remember, for example, Ettore Messina also, at the age of 30, he won the Italian Cup. And I, it seemed like a trend in Italy. Are you missing it? I mean, the way how, at least before, they were giving a chance to young uh, coaches maybe now it's a bit different or maybe that circle circle is coming up uh, uh, like you know again i mean i'm sorry i can't really give you an, an answer about that i think that that situation was probably pretty unique in mm -hmm. italy because there, as, as i said there was a huge group of of uh, top level coaching who were coaching in the in the say the youth program and at the same time assistant coaching with the main team I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, I mean, just come back to Europe. I, I'm not sure if there is uh, um, right now uh, um, a similar situation to that. But also I've seen situations where, where assistant coaches have been promoted, maybe because they deserve it. But you're right. I mean, this is a way, way more uncommon than, than before. That's true. Does it say anything about the new generation of coaches? What do you think? I'm not sure. Maybe maybe the number of head coaches around are are, are they're, they're just so good. huge, yeah. and and probably the jobs are not didn't didn't increase. That good jobs didn't increase. Maybe they shrink in the last unfortunately in the last few years. So probably the the, the offer of of good head coaches on the market is is uh, bigger than what the market can uh, um, let's say absorb. And probably there is no need of promoting new, you know, people, new assistant coaches too. But for example, uh, just make a name, uh, Vertemati from Varese was, was uh, Andrea Trinchieri assistant coach in, in Bayern and he was hired as a head coach in, in Varese in a A1 team. So just, just to make the first example come to my mind, but it's true. It's very, very uncommon recently. And for me, from Lithuania, looking at Italian basketball, it seems like Italian basketball should be so fortunate to have you uh, as a head coach back in Italy, then Ettore Messina uh, also coaching in, in Italy. Probably we're missing only Andrea Trinchieri, you know, to have the full package. But what I want to say, I believe that here in Italy, many people might put you as a rivals, you know, uh, because you represent two big teams, two rival teams, although you give a lot for the Italian basketball together, competing in the same uh, league. How do you look, you know, at that kind of opportunity to have such an opponent in the same league at the same time? How did you look at that? Let's say what kind of rivalry it was 30 years ago. Yeah, when you were two young, very ambitious coaches. Uh, fighting for the titles. Yeah, you know what? When you are starting your coaching career, you, as you said, you are young, you're ambitious, you want to win, and you are already in two big teams because he was in Virtus, actually, I was in Scavolini, two top teams. And, uh, and uh, you might talk about the rivalry, it's a, a very, very um, healthy rivalry back then. But then we were kind of uh, pushed into the, the, the uh, the, the, the first role together in the same year, uh, we've been lucky enough to win everything. I mean, a couple of Italy, Italian championship together, the, I mean, in the, different teams, but the same year. And, 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 and I think we, were, we have been able to, to develop a, a really, really uh, good relationship. We respect uh, a lot each other. Uh, we supported a lot each other in way way behind the scenes and when when 
things were not going great for one of the two. Um, we were, I think we've been able to stay away from what medias have been trying to do forever, to, to, to put us one against the other one, because sometimes when you lack uh, imagination, when you lack professionalism, when you lack ideas, you, you, you try to find this, this no, no ideas, no, no concept, no, no history, to make a history where there, there is no history, there is no story there. I mean, but you understand it and it's our responsibility to try to keep it in the right way. When we are on the floor and a couple of days before the game we are, we are playing against, we will do our best to try to, to, to give trouble to the opponent. But the, when, when the game is over, that uh, everything is, is, is finished at that point. And we are back being, being friends and we're back, you know, respect each other and communicate every now and then and, 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 uh, know that, uh, uh, I mean, at this point of our lives and our career, we are a little bit above these things, you know, here. Honestly, I think that, uh, who's going to look for, for a story there should look somewhere else and try to, to be more professional, to, to use his imagination, his, his ability to, to think about stories and to think about uh, uh, how to fill up his computer in a better way. The last question, coach. Seven years later, you're again the head coach of big European club. Virtus is a great organization with an ambitious project. And as far as we know, you're a big uh, winner. You, you're a hard worker. You want to win and reach the highest holes. Uh, highest holes. How do you feel before the challenge? I feel good. Honestly, I feel good in the city, feel good in the, in the, in the organization. Uh, I feel that I'm lucky to, um, to be in, a, in an organization where a, a big um, owner and, and uh, entrepreneur is, is, is investing money. Um, I feel that, uh, that I got to work my eyes off, right? And, 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 and do my best covering and, and providing support and help to, to the whole organization, um, using my experience in so many different places in Europe and or in the NBA, whatever, if I am required to, but at the same time, be at my place as a, as a coach and happy to be there because Honestly, uh, I don't feel the need to, 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 to be much more than that. I, I love coaching. My three years in NBA have been great because I could get back diving into the, the, the game. When you are assistant coach, you are away from all those troubles, medias, <laughs> agents, um, uh, all what is around. And I was, was, we were joking with Nick. Uh, during the series in Toronto, say, listen, I'm so glad that you have this shit in your head because I'm so glad to be, to be out. And then with the national team, of course, for two months, you have a lot of stuff into your plate, right? But at the same time, it was great to be right into the game and thinking all about the game, knowing player, knowing system, digging into your own system, um, looking for wrinkles, looking for different solutions, studying the game from, from every different perspective. And I want to not to lose that. Of course, as a head coach, you have to take care of different things, which is, it comes, it comes with the, with the position, right? But at the same time, I want to 
keep being deeply into the game because this is what I love. And at this point of my life, honestly, I don't need to do something which I don't really like. I don't rely, it's not the control or the, of course, I got to help things to work and to make the, the group of the players feel good and supported and, and feel the whole organization really um, take care of everything around them, right? And so that's, that's part of my job as a head coach. But what I really love is the game. So I, I, I don't want to be uh, distracted that much. Uh, and I want to really, really try to be on top of the game and, and, and my, my daily job and my practices and my game plans and my uh, post-game and, and my players' development and all this stuff. Thank you, Coach, so much for your time. It was a pleasure and it's really great to see you back here. You're welcome. Good luck. Thanks a lot. Yep.